Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Man, good to see each one of you. I want to say thank you and welcome to our online audience. Uh, just love you, love your faithfulness. Thank you for being a part of our service. Um, I hear from you throughout the week, and I want to say thank you for your faithfulness. It means a lot. Um, so last week, um, we dove into a series called Discover TCAB. And there, it's important that you understand what we're trying to unpack here. I, I want the church to know the church. I think it's important for you as the church, when you're out in the world, out in life, doing life out there, outside the walls, and people bump up into you and they say, man, tell me about your church. I want you to be able to tell them about your church. I want you to tell them what God's doing, but I also want you to tell them what it's about. And so we have five core values or five purpose, or four purpose statements that we kind of hang our hat on at the church that we want to see accomplished in the lives of every person that walks in these doors. And I'm teaching these in the series, it's called Discovered TCAP. And it's important for you to know what the church is about. I mean, I've, I've been in churches all over the place and I always sit, whether, it's, whether, it's, whether I'm doing a, a wedding or a funeral, or whatever, and I wonder sometimes when I'm sitting in those seats, what's this church about? What's this church trying to do? And so I think sometimes the church doesn't know what the church is trying to do. And the church is the greatest commercial for the church there ever is. I mean, you're the best advertisement we've got. If I say something good about the church, you're like, yeah, you should, you get paid, right? But, but if you say something good about the church, guess what? You're not getting paid like me. So you're the best commercial, the best advertisement we've got. And so Discover TCAB, we wanna look at the four core values of what we try to accomplish every time someone walks in the door. So last week, I dove into know God, K-N-O-W, know God. Can the creation know the creator? Can the God of all creation who made it all, who made me, who knit me together in my mother's womb, who called me fearfully and wonderfully fearfully made and know I have a plan for you. Can I know the God who says I have a plan for you? Can I know him? Because no other entity in the world propped up for religion called God wants to know their people. They don't care about their people. They bow down to those gods. And those gods are about as interested in them as you are having a pimple on your butt. I mean, that just, you don't, you don't want that. And they don't, want, they don't want to know you. And people give their life for that kind of stuff. And I'm like, dude, he don't care about you. He's made up. He's propped up. He's not a God. He doesn't care. He didn't make you. I mean, they're selling their soul for it, man. But our God, the God of all creation, he wants to know you. He wants to know you. That's stinking cool. My God, 
wants to know me. The God of all creation wants to know me. It was his ideal. He made me to hang out with me. He didn't just say, I have a plan for you. He wants to walk with me and show it to me. That's cool, man. Can I know God? So last week, we jumped into this series, and out of it, there was a couple of questions, and I have gotten tons of texts this week and phone calls from people that say, hey, Jeff, those two questions last week uh, that you asked, do you know him? Do I know him? But the more important question is, does he know me? See, John 10 says that he will know his sheep and his sheep will know him, all right? So that means I can say I know him, but that's, that's an important statement for me to say. I know him, I know Jesus. But the most important question is, does Jesus know me? And the only way that Jesus can know you is through a relationship. You must be born again. You must be saved. When you're born again and when you're saved, Jesus becomes your savior. The the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and now you have relationship with God. You're in relationship with God. So now he says, you're my sheep. I know you and you know me. And now the God of all creation can talk to you and you can hear him. Because if you possess the Holy Spirit, the Spirit can hear the Spirit. But if you don't possess the Spirit, it's a one-way communication. It won't work. Do you know him? Does he know you? If he knows you, he knows you because of relationship. It's called salvation. Romans 8, 16, very important scripture. Romans 8, 16 says, the Spirit himself will testify with our spirit that we are God's children. The Spirit will testify to what? My Spirit. So His Spirit, and He puts His Spirit in me. Now I have a Spirit of God in me, and the Spirit speaks to the Spirit, and it tells me you're a child of God. That's how it works. Ephesians 1, I want you to go there because I want you to see it. Ephesians chapter 1, look at verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is, they deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise and his glory. Here's how it works. When you get saved, when you pray and receive Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. It comes and lives inside of you. It is now the deposit guaranteeing your inheritance on the day you die. So when you take your last breath on this dirt ball and you take your first breath in heaven, that Holy Spirit that lives inside of you is the guaranteed seal, the mark that proves that you are a child of God's. So his spirit is put in you, and now the spirit of God will testify to your spirit that he knows you and you know him. You don't have to wonder if he knows you because you will know that because the spirit will testify to that. 
better said than this. Romans 5.1 is a beautiful scripture. It says, I will not have peace with God until I have the peace of God. When I, have, when I am at peace with God, okay, when I'm at peace with God, with the Holy Spirit, and with, in relationship with Jesus Christ, then I have the peace of God. And some people in life, they have no peace in their life. Why? Because they don't know Jesus and his peace isn't in them. You can have peace in chaos if you know Jesus because he's the rock, the solid ground that I stand in. And all other junk can be going on, but my anchor holds and I'm a rock on Jesus standing on a solid ground. Why? Because I have peace with God because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. You can know that you know that you know that you know. But if people have asked me, you sure are confident that you're born again. How can you be confident you're born again? It's pretty simple. When I got saved, I was marked with the Holy Spirit, deposit guaranteeing my inheritance one day. And his spirit testifies my spirit that I am a child of God's. I don't have to guess and wonder and hope. I can know. Because when you know, you have confidence. You gotta know that you know that you know. And after that, after you know that you're saved and born again, believer's baptism is what you need. That over there is not salvation. I'm sorry. That people have said for many years, they've said, when you, when you get baptized, you get saved. That, that's not true. That's not true. When you get baptized, is not when you got saved. When you get baptized, you got wet, all right? But being wet, it don't work like that. If, if just getting baptized gave you salvation, there's no need for Calvary. Why beat up Jesus and put him on a cross and nail stuff in his hands and feet and throw thorns on his head, put a spear in his side? Why cuss on him and spit on him and all that other stuff? Why would he have to die if all we had to do is fill up a man-made baptism with man-made water and put a man in there and then another man dunks that man and all that man stuff could get you saved? Baptism is not salvation. I'm sorry, it's not. And sometimes people say, I, I got baptized or I got saved. I got baptized because I got saved. Jesus said that when he came out of the water, right, a dove descended from heaven. And the father said, this is my son who I'm well pleased. Do likewise. That's found in Matthew chapter three, if you need to go find it, all right? But why not, if you're gonna follow Jesus in salvation, why not follow Jesus in baptism? Some people have had their baptism before their salvation. That means baptism on the left side. It's confusing. Baptism should be on the right side of salvation. Baptism follows salvation. That's why it's called believer's baptism, not lost people baptism, all right? You, you be, once you're saved, you follow the Lord in baptism. And when you do that, now you've lined up with scripture. This is what you try to base your life on is the Bible, not religion. Religion confuse you, man. Religion is man's attempt to, 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 to get to God. <laughs> that's never worked. Why not just do the Bible? Salvation is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. Once a person is born again, they follow the Lord and believe his baptism. Why? Because Jesus was baptized. If I'm gonna be serious about following Jesus after I get saved, why don't I just do the first thing? That's baptism. Well, how'd Jesus get baptized? He got baptized in water, under the water, called immersion. It's called scriptural baptism. Well, then sign me up for that. Then amen. But all the other stuff is just man's stuff. Do it like Jesus does it, and it'll set you free, all right? The Bible calls this event that takes place justification. We don't use the word justification very often. It's a biblical word. It's a Bible word. It's a church word. 
We don't use the word a lot. Justification means this, just as if I had never sinned. That's what Jesus did at Calvary. He justified my sins. He made it like I never sinned. He covered my sins and set me free. You say, well, Jeff, after I got saved, I did mess up. I know you will mess up because you have a sin nature in you. You can sin, but you gotta walk past Jesus and walk flat over Jesus to do it. You were convicted. If you were not convicted about what that sin was, then you might not be saved. But I guarantee you, you were convicted, but you say, you know what? I'm gonna do it anyway. So when you say that about someone post-salvation, you know you shouldn't say it, but you said it. If you did that, you need to repent of that and let Jesus cleanse you of that. If you honk at those people and the way they drive down something, you go, man, I shouldn't have honked at them. I gotta stop doing that, all right? But God, they can't drive. I understand, he understands, but you say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have honked at them the way I did. You see what I mean? You're gonna mess up. I'm not saying you're gonna be perfect. He says, I justified you at the cross, I covered your sins. And the blood of Calvary is still wet today. And when you mess up, you need to repent. We don't use the word repent in the church anymore. I don't know why, but you need to repent. That means turn the other way and walk the other way. I'm sorry, God, I did that. I shouldn't have done that. I repent from that. I ask you to cover me and wash me white as snow and and, and move on. And you gotta do that. So justification is just as if I never sinned. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, a great scripture says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, all things become new. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. Baptism is symbolism for what has already happened. Baptism is like getting in a bathtub and mom gives you a bar of soap and she says, lather up and take a bath. And if she comes back to get you out and you get out of the bathtub and she puts a towel around you and she goes, boy, you smell like a puppy. Did you use soap? Nope, play with my boats, had a great time, didn't use soap. The blood of Jesus at Calvary is like soap on your life. It washes you white as snow. Baptism is symbolism that once you get all lathered up with soap and you go in the water to wash off the soap, it's the same way as washing off the old self. And when you come up out of that water of baptism, you've been born again and scripturally baptized, symbolizing he's washed my old life away and I'm walking out in my new life. And that's what it is. That's exactly what happens every time. When Cody Barrett got baptized, Cody Barrett's not a bad dude. He was just lost, all right? He was just lost. And he said, man, that's my old life. I'm ready to have my new life. And we bury him, and you lift him up, and you send him out new, all right? If that's never happened to you, today is a day of salvation, all right? Number two things we're gonna look at is, number one is know God. Can I know God? You can through Jesus, through Calvary. He made a way, it was his plan from the get-go. The second kind of core value or, 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 or purpose statement, if you will, that we as a church want to accomplish is we want people to find freedom. After salvation, you gotta find freedom. And this is the hardest thing for some people. They get saved, they're born again, they get baptized. The three and four core statements are find a purpose and make a difference. They, they never can get there because they're stuck in number two. They can't find freedom. They can't find freedom. I want you to listen to a statement Chris Kane wrote in her book called Unashamed. Being set free and walking in freedom 
are not the same thing. Being set free was done for us by Jesus at the cross. But walking in freedom is what we must choose to do for ourselves each day. Once you're born again, once you've been redeemed, once you've been saved, once you've been born again, baptized, and you take off, I'm gonna tell you right now, as much gumption as you got to go get them, the devil's like, well, no, I'm not about to let that happen. And the devil's gonna work hard to keep you from being all that God wants you to be. And you gotta choose each day to walk in the freedom that comes from Christ. The Bible calls the process of becoming like Christ sanctification. You have justification that took place at Calvary and you have sanctification that takes place every day of your life until you breathe your last breath and you take a first breath in heaven. All of us, myself and you included, after salvation, all of us have a full-time job of being sanctified. Every single day, I must choose to let God sanctify my life, to make me as much like Christ as possible. Oh, I want a honk animate Sonsi, but it won't change your driving pattern whatsoever. I promise you. I've got to be sanctified to not just bite my tongue, sometimes to bite my horn, all right? But I'm just telling you, we're all being sanctified because we're gonna get pop test after pop test after test after pop test to see how we're doing in the world of sanctification. The long, how long the process of sanctification takes depends on our willingness to engage the word of God, to accept it as absolute truth in our lives and to apply it to all circumstances. The word of God is what sanctifies us. The more you're in this word, the more you look at this word as absolute truth. Don't try to say, well, that's not me, that's my neighbor. Well, you read it, didn't you? I mean, did your neighbor read that? Nope. Uh, well, uh, I need to go take it to him. No, you don't need to take it to him. You need to take it yourself. This word right here is the word that works on you for sanctification to make you more like Christ. If you apply it to your life, it will become, it will sanctify you and make you more like Jesus. The problem is people aren't in the word. And then when they get in the word, they're not in the word for themselves. They're in the word for other people. Or they want to share this with somebody else. If God wanted the other person to see it, they would have seen it. Now, I'm not saying it's not right to share scripture, but sometimes we share scripture, but we forget that it was really for us and then for them. But sometimes we skip the us and go straight to them. I've never seen a scripture God didn't want me to see, but I've seen a whole lot of scripture other people need to see. But the first step is making sure I see the scripture for what I need to see it for, and then I can openly share it with someone else to hope they see it like they need to see it. The word of God is a mirror. It says it reflects back what it's looking at. So if I'm seeing the word of God and it reflects back to me, there's some areas of my life that need to be sanctified. I need to say yes and amen to that. Don't just read God's word. Let it read you. I'm gonna say that again. Don't just read God's word. Let it read you. That's what people make the biggest mistake. They read God's word for the gain of knowledge. But God doesn't want you to have a bunch of knowledge. The Pharisees had knowledge and God didn't even like them, all right? I, there's nothing wrong with biblical knowledge. It's beautiful. But make sure you read the word of God for you. 
All right. I had a pastor one time I served with. He made this statement to his wife. He said he was called to preach God's word, not live God's word. Hmm. I'm telling you right now, you're called to live God's word and God might call you to preach his word. <laughs> but I'm sorry, but you're called to live God's word and he might call you to preach his word, all right? But you got to live his word. It's part of the sanctification. Once you've been justified, he wants to sanctify you, all right? In the sanctification process, the speed in which it happens is, is, is largely, I mean, 110%, depending on how much time you spend in the word, receiving its truth and applying it to your life. If you do that, his sanctification process will happen beautifully in your life. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that he set us free. John 8.36, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Once you're born again and you're saved, I'm telling you right now, he has set you free from your junk. You've got to choose to walk in that freedom. There have been many people wounded by church, wounded by religion, wounded by people, wounded by a bunch of junk that have come into our house and said, man, this is a safe house. This is a church, man. This is a safe house. I can come in here and I can be safe. I can heal. I can get, I can get right with God. I can, I can get healing from God because it's a safe house. I'm gonna tell you, it's not safe because I'm the pastor. It's not safe because all my staff. It's safe because the presence of Almighty God is what dominates the air in this place. And His presence is what dominates the air. And where God is, where God is gathered, there is freedom in the house. And a church should be a place of freedom where people can come and say, you know what? I am mad at God. I think, mad's a, I think God's a bully and I don't like him. Good, let's worship. Not kicked out of church. Not said you get attitude straight and then you come back in. No, all of our attitudes are jacked up or we wouldn't be here. We're in the right place. You just got to get in the presence of God because in the presence of God, there is freedom. And I'm going to tell you, if, if, if you had church hurt you and disappoint you, you're in the good house. If you had religion just throw a gut punch at you and you're like, man, I don't even like religion. Good. I had a guy one time at my table, a young blood sat down. He said, you're a pastor? I said, yes, I am. He says, well, I don't like organized religion. And I said, you know what? I don't either. You want to eat? <laughs> he didn't know what to do with me. Stephanie's trying to pour the guy coffee. Can't even answer. Do you want coffee, sir? Oh, no, no. He did not. He was ready to pick a fight with me. He was ready to tell me the church is just terrible. I said, the church is beautiful. Religion's terrible. Religion has jacked enough people up, man. There are a bunch of people today walking around wounded because religion has hurt them. Religion's all tied to man. Relationships all tied to Jesus. Make sure the one you follow is the right one. Amen. That's the truth. 
So we better preach. So we're talking about finding freedom, all right? We're talking about finding freedom. That's the number two. People walk in the church. We want them to know God, K-N-O-W, God. We want them to know the creator, all right? We want them to know God. When they, when they meet the Lord and they're born again and they're saved, the next step in that journey is that they find freedom. I'm gonna give you two areas a day. There's many, but I'm just gonna give you two that people get hung up on. They can't find freedom from, all right? Post-salvation. Number one is freedom. You gotta find freedom from your past. Can I set you free? We'll just I need to make you feel real comfortable. Everybody in the house, even me, has a past. So don't sit there and go, I'm the only one with a past like this. No, we all got past. We all got a past. You all got, all of us have who we were before Christ, all right? We all got that junk. You say, well, pastor, I got a lot of stuff even after I met Christ. That's okay, it's sanctification, all right? Uh, it's a process, all right? Your stuff before Christ, when you were dirty, when you were ugly, when you were nasty, and you, and you needed a bar of soap, you needed the blood of Christ to cleanse you, before you went in the water, all right, you had all that past, all that junk in your life. You came out a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Let me say something to you. Some people come out knowing the old is gone and the new has come, and they're trying to do the new thing, and the old thing's just, I mean, right on them. And every time they try to do something, here's what they hear. If you only knew what I was, if you only knew what I did. If, if, I mean, I'm just telling you, I, God can't do this in my life. God can't use me like this. I can't be used by God. I can't serve God. I can't, I can't lead someone to Christ. I can't tell my story. My, my past is ugly. My past is bad, Jeff. Everybody's past is bad. It's why it's a past. Everybody's got a past. Don't let the enemy steal your future by reminding you all day long about your past. When the enemy reminds you about your past, you remind him of his future. He is subject to hell with no chance of getting out. And because of Jesus, you're not subject to hell. You get heaven. So you kick his tail and you walk over his face every day, living out who you are in Christ and not worried about who you used to be before Christ. Because everybody's got a past, man. Don't let your past quiet your future because God's all about doing a new thing in your future. Don't disqualify yourself because of your past. We all got past, man. We all got past, all right? You gotta find freedom from your past. Number two area, you gotta find freedom is, you gotta find freedom in forgiving people. <laughs> can I, I mean, it's not a newsflash or anything, but can I just tell you something? People are gonna hurt you. People are gonna hurt you, man. They're gonna disappoint you. They're gonna talk about you. They're gonna gossip about you. They're gonna say things that aren't true about you. They're gonna do it. They're just gonna do that, okay? They're just gonna, I hate it, but they're gonna do it. And you say, well, Jeff, they, they just keep their mouth shut. Well, they, they shouldn't do that. I don't know why they hurt people. People just hurt people. Broken people hurt people, all right? They just, they just do. And so all of us have people that we need to forgive. You gotta forgive them. Forgiving people, <laughs> it's not an option. It's a command. Please hear that. It's a command. It's not an option. 
It's not a multiple choice and I'm not picking C, all right? It's, it's a command. If you, if you know the Lord and you've been saved and you were once a sinner and now you've been set free and your name is Saint, you have got to forgive because you've been forgiven. You have to. It's not an option. It is a command, but it's a choice we have to make every day. I want you to go to Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six. Look at verse, um, let's start in nine, Matthew 6, 9. This is what we know as the Lord's Prayer. This then is how you should pray, Jesus said. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We love verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. Mm-hmm. Oh, then there's 12. Forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Look at verse 14. For if, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Ouch. There is no seminary needed to understand that passage. If I want forgiveness and I have received forgiveness from God, I must in return give forgiveness back. One of the major, major fruits hanging from a tree of believer is forgiveness. You've got to forgive as a believer. He said, Jeff, I'm telling you right now, I don't want to forgive. I don't want to forgive. If I forgive, I let them off the hook. They win. That's all I'm saying. They just win. They could do that to me. They could punish me the way they did. They could inflict all this pain on me that I've been walking in for years. And if I forgive them and let them go, they just get all scat cat free. Oh, no, they don't. No, they don't. When you have them, they get off. But when you give them to God, (laughs) they ain't getting off. You dog. No. See, you got to transfer ownership to someone that can do something about it. Amen. As long as you got them, and I'm holding them, and I'm going to inflict pain on them, and I'm going to I'm going to make their life miserable. I got them. I'm going to do to them what they did to me. As long as you got them, God doesn't have them, and they're not hurting. They're not suffering. You ain't you ain't phasing them a bit. You're punching the wind. You're wearing yourself out and you're not making any impact. None, none. You look retarded at the corner. Who's that guy fighting? Ain't nobody out there. He needs to go to pavilions. He he messed up, all right? I'm just saying, you gotta be careful that you're not doing God's business. You've got to forgive people and let them go because if you don't, they hold more power on your life than you'll ever know. Give them to God. Just give them to God. I want you to look at Matthew real fast. Matthew chapter five. Look at verse 23 and 24. Therefore, there's a lot of therefores. <laughs> and every time there's a therefore, you always want to ask what that therefore is there for, all right? So therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar and go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. 
He said, well, I'm off the hook, Jeff. I don't have any money, so I have nothing to give. So I'm not giving a gift at the altar. So since I'm poor, I don't have to do that. I'm sorry, that's not what that's talking about. Your gift there is worship. Some of you come in here every week. You know why you can't worship? It has nothing to do with music, knowing the words, because they're on the screen. I know you can read. It has nothing to do with you liking Paxson. He's awesome. You should like him, all right? All it has to do with is you can't worship because you can't forgive. You're trying to sing a song and the unforgiveness is just squashing it because you can't get past him. You see him, you see her, you remember what they did, you can't let them go. You keep getting these snapshots of those people and you see them and worship can't happen. And you sit there and you just do this. And I say, well, why can't you worship? Oh, I'm worshiping inside. No, you're not, because inside is where you're not forgiving them. (laughs) If you're unforgiving inside, how are you gonna worship inside? Because all of your unforgiveness is squashing it because you still see them. You avoid locations because of them. You avoid places because of them. Why? Because you're saying with that statement, they have so much power, they can decide where I go, when I go, and how long I stay. That's what you're saying. And some of us can't even go to church because the individuals we don't like are in the church. And you're being robbed of worship in the presence of God and finding freedom because you have given more power to an individual that doesn't deserve the power. The person you can't forgive has more power than the God you should be worshiping. And that's sad. Let them go. What You're not, you're not hurting them. He said, well, Pastor, you don't know nothing about forgiving people. Oh, yes, I do. Oh, yes, I do. For many years, I held on, man, to unforgiveness. It was a water hose that was kinked. Holy Spirit trying to do stuff in my life, trying to speak to me. There was a call on my life that had been there since birth. And my sophomore year, man, I was struggling with that. Everybody was hearing it but me. And I just might keep my, man, man, my hose was kinked. Why was my hose kinked? The Holy Spirit couldn't speak because I would not let my dad go. I wouldn't forgive him. I kept saying, God, he's my dad. He's older. He needs to come to me. He was a deacon. And God said, he ain't coming. He ain't coming. You need to go. Go release him, Jeff. Let him go. If you let him go, I'll open the floodgates and I'll speak and I'll move in your life like never before. But if you don't let him go, it's gonna rob everything. It's gonna choke it all out. And so one day in class, when I was a sophomore at East Texas Baptist University, I just got up out of class. We were in a statistics class, a stat class, and I just got up. 15 minutes in the class, I, just, I had my baseball gear on, my, my jacket and my hat, and all professors were like, yeah, baseball guy. And so I was only there 15 minutes. I closed the book, I just walked out. Got my car, drove all over my dad's shop. I just said it, man. I just, I just let him go. And he wanted to talk, and I said, Dad, I'm not here for you to talk. I was here for me. I just let him go. And I was set free. And from that moment on, that's where my life changed. The call my life took off. I promise you, I'm not standing here as your senior pastor for 14 years if I had that moment as a sophomore in college didn't happen. Because my, my unforgiveness towards my dad was about to take me down a road I didn't want to go on. I was giving him more power than he did than God, I promise. I'm just telling you, you got to let people go. You got to let them go. And here's a cool story. Several years after that, you know who gave their life to Christ and was born again? My dad. 
Sometimes when you set yourself free, you set the individual free. And at 48 years old, my dad on a jail cell floor gave his life to Christ. After being a deacon at First Baptist Church for 21 years, you can dress up and you can smell right and you can chew right and you can act right and you can even tithe and you can be lost. And my dad was. And so here's the deal. I'm waiting on a lost man to come and get forgiveness. I'm waiting on a guy that doesn't even know the Lord to be moved by the Holy Spirit to come and get forgiveness and give forgiveness. That's why God said, he's not coming, Jeff. That's why I had to go. And I thought it was out of place, but it was right on place. I'm going to write this down if you have your Bible or a piece of paper. The forgiven, forgive. <laughs> I'm t- I said before, one of the biggest fruits on your tree that you're born again is forgiveness. The forgiven, forgive. If you've really been saved and born again and have been forgiven, then forgiving others can be done. It won't be easy, but you can do it. You can let them go. And I know if I let them go, it just says they win. No, if, it, if you let them go, what, what is being said is you win. That's what happens. Leave them to God. Back in the day, that's, I mean, that's what people used to feel like. If, 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 if I forgive them, then I'm telling them they were right and I was wrong. No, that's a lie from the enemy. That's not true. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter four real quickly. Ephesians chapter four. Look at, uh, look at 31. Ephesians 4, 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, Slander, along with every form of malice, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Mm. Forgive others, why? Because he forgave you. Back in the day, in the pioneer days, Indians who used to shoot some nasty arrows, they would dip those arrow tips in manure. It's a poison, all right? And they didn't aim at people's heads and shoulders and backs. They tried to shoot them right in the liver because if they could shoot them in the liver, that arrow would go all the way through them and deposit all the poison in the liver. And you know, once something gets in the liver, no stopping it. And you can break those arrows off on both sides and you can yank that sucker all the way through and you can heal up both ends and you can dress up and look good. You can even get on a horse and ride. You can go dance. You can look like everything is fine, but inside you are dying and you don't even know it. Can I tell you what unforgiveness is? It's a manure that's on the tip of an arrow that the enemy wants to shoot into your liver to kill you. And the quicker you get that sucker out and let the blood of Jesus, it heals everything, heal that, you'll be free. Yeah. It's like drinking, you know what unforgiveness is, don't you? It's like drinking poison and watching and see if the other person will die. <laughs> that ain't gonna work, man. It's not gonna work. 
they don't even know, they don't even know you exist. You're having no impact on them, none. My, my dad never knew all that stuff I was holding against him. He didn't know. Neither does the person you won't let go. You just give them the power to dictate where you go and places you go and, and all that stuff. They decide your life more than God does. Why give them people that much power? Give the power back to God and see what he does in your life. Release the person and let them go. The act of giving up control to the Lord is actually the beginning of our freedom. Can I just say that to you again? The act of giving control to the Lord is the beginning of our freedom. When the Lord says to you, again, forgive them. I want you to do something you haven't done. I want you to forgive them. You say, well, I don't want to. <laughs> you were once buried with Christ in baptism, and now you're raised to walk a new life. When does that become a reality in your life? When? A lost world is waiting to see that. That's the church, the risen church. Church cannot boss Jesus around. Jesus is the church. He's the rock. Jesus said, I'll be Lord of your life. I'll be the boss of your life. You are dead, okay? I've raised you to live a new life. Because I've raised you to live a new life, I'm the boss of the new life. You don't tell me you won't forgive, buddy. I already forgave you, and you will forgive. Well, I don't want to. Well, you think I wanted to forgive you? I mean, while well, conversations are weird, forgive them because you've been forgiven. The Holy Spirit of God is the power that can do that. It's the power that raised Christ from the dead. He said the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that lives inside of you. Don't tell me that you can't forgive all right, because I already know the tomb is empty and we're about to celebrate that at Easter. If it's empty, demonstrate it's empty because the same power lives inside of you. The first act of being free is to letting him be the Lord of your life. Let him be the boss. Let him call the shots. Some of you today need to give your life to Christ. There's no doubt. You know that. You knew it last week. You need to come to say, Pastor, I've never been born again. And you get saved. And then you need to be baptized before we leave. We're gonna stay and baptize again today. If you need to do that, do it. Some of you know, say, Jeff, I've been, I've been saved. I'm born again. But my baptism happened way over here. And now that I know I'm saved, I gotta get this baptism over here on this side over here. I need to get it on the right side. Then you come this morning. It's not embarrassing. It's not. It's not embarrassing. It's beautiful. So don't listen to lie anymore. He said, Jeff, I was saved late after I was baptized. I didn't know what I did. I, just, I tried to make my mama happy. Listen, you can make mama really happy. Do it right. Do it right. So one day when mom's in heaven, she's waiting on you. And guess what? You'll arrive. All right? Get it on the right side. And last is this. There's some people in here that just need to be set free. You're giving people, and you can put their name in the blank. You're giving some people power more power than you're giving God. 
They're deciding where you go, what you do, how you eat, how you dress, where you live, where you go to church. You're letting some people dictate all of that for you. You're giving people more power than God himself has in your life. You need to set them free. You say, well, Jeff, they're gonna win. Who cares? Let them think that. But all you're doing is giving them to God. Wish them luck with that, all right? Set yourself free. Let yourself win. Lay them down, lay them down, lay them down today. I'm gonna invite you to stay in church and pray real quick. And you do what you gotta do. You already know. You need no help from me. Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, right now, you do what you have said in our lives. May we answer only to the Holy Spirit of God, not to anything else. Holy Spirit, if you said this, we'll do that. If you said this, Holy Spirit, then we'll do that. If you said this, Holy Spirit, we'll do that. And so right now, Holy Spirit, you move us to do what you want us to do, and we will not boss you around anymore. We love you, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. You come if the Holy Spirit leads. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram by using the church at Bushland and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.